there's no doubt that the old politics of the two-party system is now gone and over. I don't need lectures from you or anybody on, on the Sinn Féin side of the house. We're very reluctant to kind of say what's red lines, but, but we do have to take climate seriously. There's going to be constant criticism, there's going to be a lot of disappointment, and whoever goes into government is going to be unpopular. Okay. Hello and welcome to the Your Politics podcast from RTE News. I'm Sandra Hurley and I'm joined by our political correspondent Paul Cunningham and political coverage editor David Murphy. So tonight, the government's long-promised cost-of-living package is finally here. The centrepiece is a 200 euro energy rebate that includes VAT. There's a 20% cut in public transport, a fuel allowance payment, uh, an extra payment of 125 euro. There's an enhanced drugs payment scheme. There's measures on school transport and the working family payment. So, Paul Cunningham, there's been a big build up to this. What do you make of it? Is it going to make a difference? I think it was in line with what was expected. We were thinking that the energy rebate was could be doubled not quite doubled. That would take it have taken it up to something like two hundred and twenty seven euros. So this is it's two hundred euro inclusive of VAT. And then the other measures, they'd already flagged it. They'd said they were going to do something on transport, they'd do something on health. Maybe the one that sort of stands out is that twenty percent reduction on fares, whether it's your bus or whether it's your train or whatever it happens to be. And I think that's probably the one which will probably be most talked about um tomorrow. Um when it comes to the ministers themselves, it was a strange week in which we had the government floating that we're going to do something. And then for days and days, it could be this, it could be that, it could be the other. And then in the past 12 hours or so, and it was the public expenditure minister, Michael McGrath, who was doing it this morning on um, Clara Burns' radio show, in which he was trying to temper expectations after everyone running after the hair for the past week. So ultimately, 300 million is what uh, Finance Minister Pascal Dunne, who said it was all going to cost. If you throw in what they've done already, that's a 1.5 billion package. They say it's not going to have any impact on inflation. But ultimately, um, I think it's it's a move which we can't yet determine what the public mood is going to be. It's just happened right now. And what about the opposition, David? Uh, the Leo Radker said today at Leaders' Questions, you know, you've got your press releases already written. He's kind of right. We knew they were going to be underwhelmed and they are. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it was kind of funny because uh, when he did say to them, you've got your press releases already written, uh, they kind of looked at the ground quietly because not only had their, their press releases written, but they had their press conferences even before the government made their announcement. So, uh, but everybody knows that the government and the opposition were saying it, the government aren't going to be doing enough in order to help families to bridge that gap because the gap is so big. And there's a, a real conundrum in all this, which is that uh, if the government put too much money into the economy, they risk making the inflation situation worse. So what they need to do is do something, but not do too much. And it's a real tricky balancing act for them. And just while you're on that point, why don't I ask you, um, I mean, what's your assessment? Is this going to make things worse? Because that centrepiece, that energy rebate, which is going to cost, uh, you know, it's the biggest part of this, that's going to everybody, even people who don't need it. So they're going to have extra cash. Well, this was the difficulty with this, which was that when the, so this energy rebate, um, I guess, is an extension of the earlier rebate they announced. The earlier rebate was 113 euro and this brings it to 200 euro. And that's going to go to everybody, the people who need it and the people who don't need it. Now, generally, economists don't like those kind of things because uh, the whole idea 
of putting money out there to help people meet their energy bills. It's supposed to be targeted. You're supposed to go for the people who need it most. This doesn't do that. And in fact, it, it's worse than the original one because it gives even more money to the people who don't need it. The tr problem for the government with this always was they didn't really have a mechanism to do it because if they did it through the tax system, that doesn't necessarily address the problem because the people who pay tax may not be the people who are paying the bills. And the other issue is uh, not everybody pays tax. So the the government acknowledged there was a, a problem in doing this and it also wanted to act quickly. Um, the other thing is, which was interesting from the press conference was the question of um, were they going to actually add to the inflationary pressure? And Pascal Donoghue was quite clear that what they haven't done is they haven't tampered with core taxation and they haven't tampered with core social welfare rates. And those would be the things you would look at if you wanted to give people a really, really big boost to their pockets. So they've done something. Um, is it enough? Will the opposition describe it as enough? Certainly not. I suppose the other thing is when it comes down to is they, they, they kept talking about that urgency, that um, speed was key and that they'd put forward primary legislation through the Oireachtas, which allowed them just to effectively top up that energy rebate. So they seem to be saying from a government perspective was, um, as you say, it was a universal payment rather than targeted. But what they were able to do is get stuff to people quickly, stuff meaning money. Mm -hmm. They were able to get it. If they tried to do become more uh, directional, then it was going to take time and people needed money now. So that was part of the, the balancing that they were taking. And then from the opposition's point of view, they were saying that there were other mechanisms and levers they could have pulled. Um, the mini budget being one that was called for by the Social Democrats, it was called for by um, Labour Party as well. But that was an anathema to this administration. They didn't want to go there. It nearly seemed to be an echo, Sandra, of the bad old days, maybe mm. taking us back to a decade ago when there was a couple of budgets a year. Yes, remember and Brian Lennon having to bring in those two budgets. No, no minister wants to do that. Mm. Um, just on the politics of it as well, Paul, Sinn Féin yesterday got in ahead of the government announcing kind of an icon measure this uh, 100 euro payment for people between uh, earning between 30,000 and 60,000 and 200 euro for people below uh, 30,000. Are they outflanking the government on this, do you think? But I think that they've been um, clever. Um, Sinn Féin has had a, a message, um, well, multiple messages. One of them is that the government is out of touch. Uh, number two, that um, they haven't got, the, they're sort of influenced by the policies of the past. And by introducing this in particular block of measures, what they're trying to do is to prove that's the case. A, that the government isn't doing enough because these energy rebates are simply um, going to be washed away in the first bill because inflation is rising. And then secondly, they know how to get to the people who need it the most. Um, so to answer your question, I think I don't know myself looking at those measures because we were just hearing them today, just exactly what the end result would be. But as regards sort of on that the political stage of presenting a platform and showing yourself as a true alternative, yeah, I think it's potent. And David, do you think uh, one of the problems for the government, do you feel maybe that they had lost control of the narrative here? They announced the initial, the energy rebate before Christmas, but then it emerged that it would require legislation. It wouldn't come in. People wouldn't feel it until March. And there's been a vacuum of information and the opposition have been able to apply pressure the entire time saying the government just don't get it. They're not acting urgently. Well, in a way, it's an open goal for the opposition. From the government point of view, I think the difficulty for them is that the goalposts keep on changing because uh, as prices go up, as inflation goes up, they're now beginning to get into a cycle of it, whereby initially it was just the core energy prices 
going up and that was the big cost. But now it's spreading and we can see it going into areas such as food. And when you see that happening, you get what economists call second round effects. In other words, inflation spreads. And what that means is that uh, people find it more difficult to make ends meet in a number of areas. And that leads to higher demand in terms of wages. And while the government can control what wages are paid in the public sector, they can't control what wages are paid in the private sector. And when firms pay higher wages, they have to charge higher prices for the goods and services that they sell. So what it means is the inflation situation becomes a bit like an infection that goes right across the economy. And we don't have the vaccine. In fact, the only people who have the vaccine are the European Central Bank, the people who control interest rates. And in a normal period of time, what you would have is when you have a rise in inflation, normally the break on that is higher interest rates, because what happens is uh, when you've got higher interest rates, people spend less because they get a bigger return on their money if they leave it in the bank. And that reduces the amount of money in the system. They also spend less because their mortgage has just gone up and they don't have it. Which is the That's other. true too. That's true too. But it was interesting, Paul, you were just back from the press conference there with Pascal Donoghue and Michael McGrath and you asked them about that very point, didn't you? Just to see whether or not um, there was any sign, because we all must remember that Pascal Donoghue isn't just a finance minister, he also holds a certain um, prestige position called the president of the Eurozone as well. But he was... I asked him whether or not the ECB could have moved more quickly through its monetary instruments, in other words, um, by increasing rates. And the first thing he did was to take us back to the dark days of um, the crash and how it was. This yeah, solidar- we enjoyed that trip. That was good. <laughs> well, the solidarity together brought us through. And many Irish people might be scratching their heads in that particular one where they've got a few issues in the way um, debt was loaded onto the country. And then the second thing he said was that in the past two years, um, the Eurozone has experienced an awful lot of growth, an awful lot of jobs above and beyond what anyone would have predicted. And had the ECB acted in any earlier, then it would have had, in his view, an impact on that growth. And that seemed to trump the question of moving interest rates to deal with inflation. Growth is the way out of this, not trying to increase um, rates to hit the brakes on inflation. So that Pascal Donoghue is certainly aligned with the view of uh, Philip Lane. He's he's saying that this is going to be uh, a short-term measure. Do, do you get that impression? He didn't, that he didn't volunteer that. He, I mean, what he did say was, I think it was um, he expected inflation to be around 3% over the course of the year on average, but then qualified it by saying, but we're not quite sure just yet what way. So it wasn't as emphatic as Professor Lane was. But it's interesting to see that Professor Lane was sticking to his guns to say this is going to pass. But in political terms, when they're looking at the population who are clearly concerned about it, um, they're not exactly um, backing them up 100%. You see, the difficulty with all of this is really one size fits all in a sense that um, Philip Lane, who's chief economist in the European Central Bank and was uh, head of the central bank here and, you know, a well-known academic in Trinity College. And a good uh, media hack who comes into studios and fires a few bullets every now and, and again. We, and we like those type of people with a lot of time for them. But his job really is to advise Christine Lagarde, the head of the European Central Bank, on setting interest rates for all of the Eurozone. And if we look at Ireland, you know, we've got a relatively high uh, inflation rate of 5.7%. But in the Eurozone, it's around 3%. So he's looking at 
all of the 300 or so million people who were using the euro. And in that, he's saying, you know, it's going the, the inflation rate is going to come down to a much more acceptable level. But in Ireland, if we had our own central bank here now, arguably, there would be justification for raising rates or having raised rates some time ago to choke off the burst of inflation uh, that the government is now having to deal with. So and is he right or is he wrong, David? Yeah, make a call on it, David. Come on, Come David. on put you, stick your neck on the line. Who, who, you, who are you going Lane for here? Professor yeah. Masters, David Murphy. Okay, so my take on it, if I was to volunteer a personal opinion on this, is that uh, the, I think Philip Lane will be judged on this in terms of timing. And if we look at what the statements from, indeed, our own government, from Neil Martin, who's now talking about the inflation situation be, being something that's going to continue into the medium term, that's the first time the Irish government have said that. If we look at what Christine Lagarde said during the week, indicating there may be some change in monetary policy later this year, it looks as if the, the question is, has he left it too late to tighten monetary policy if that's the road he's going to go down. And if it turns out that he has been too late, I think it will be a big problem for the European Central Bank. Uh, in terms of calling it, maybe it's too early to say. <laughs> uh, does, it re- does it remain to be seen, David? Uh, maybe it remains <laughs> to be seen. But I do think that if the if he gets to a situation later this year where he finds he's raising interest rates and he's left it too late. He's got a very, very big problem on his hands. The second thing is from Pascal Donoghue in the press conference that you'd have to say, uh, he seemed to have sympathy for the European Central Bank point of view that they were trying to engineer a recovery. They were trying to put money Mm -hmm. back into the system after the pandemic. And if they just saw inflation coming over the horizon, jacked up interest rates, they would have choked off the recovery. What about the idea of this? um, We've been flooding, uh, you know, buying assets through the ECB. Could they have done something else which is no longer to buy those assets? Okay, personally, I think that they were, they should have stopped um, the uh, uh, flooding the eurozone economy with money, they should have stopped that at the first sign of inflation. And I think that that would have helped considerably. I think the danger they have is they're not going to be able to cut it off quickly enough. Yeah. So, Paul, last question for you. Um, do you detect or have you detected any kind of splintering in the coalition over uh, over a the package over the last couple of days. We've certainly heard Leo Vradker mentioning the squeezed middle and don't forget about them, the Green Party. There's been some suggestions that they've been pushing more for the lower paid. What's your take on all that? No, I don't think there's splits. I think there's a sense that they've done something. I think if there was a sense within government just talking to TDs and senators over the past few hours has been a sense that they feel that they're doing something but they don't feel that it's necessarily landing with the public and there's a question in their mind, do you not see you know, 1.5 billion euro over the past five months. Like that's a substantial wall of money. And yet it doesn't seem to be landing or appreciated um, by the public. I think that's a concern mm-hmm. rather than any fight between the coalition parties. I mean, there's always going to be a row over how you best you do it. But I still think it's fairly solid. You've got to say, though, like it, it is quite an achievement to be in a situation whereby they shut down huge sectors of the economy for considerable periods of time. Uh, they had employment rise. They kept a lot of people on a certain level of income with the pandemic unemployment payment and with the employee wage subsidy scheme. And now unemployment is falling. Businesses are reopening. The economy is picking up. I mean, uh, by any rational analysis, you'd have to say the government deserves a little bit of credit for that. The problem is getting out of the post 
post-pandemic economic situation has dragged up the spectre of inflation. So now they're in a completely different situation. But in terms of their economic management during the pandemic, I think a lot of business owners are quite surprised they're still in business. In fact, the level of redundancy or the level of bankruptcy for businesses during the pandemic was actually lower than it would be during normal times, which shows that the government were keeping a lot of firms alive. Okay, we're going to leave it there for today. Thanks for listening to the Your Politics podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. Goodbye until next week.